everyone, and welcome to this new episode of the Tech UK podcast, all about international telecoms. My name is Sophie James, and I am Tech UK's Head of Telecoms and Spectrum Policy, and I am really delighted to host this episode. Now, you know the feeling when you're at an industry event, and there are so many intriguing conversations and presentations and discussions that there's absolutely no time to grab that certain someone for a chat? Well, maybe not, but it's certainly what happened to me when Tech UK's Communications Infrastructure and Services Programme hosted the International Telecoms Conference as part of London Tech Week back in June. We partnered with the Department for Science, Innovation and Technology to provide an opportunity for international government stakeholders and regulators, plus some industry players, to convene and collaborate in person. We wanted to examine the key foundations for a secure and resilient global supply market, we want to explore how we can work together to tackle some shared risks and challenges. We want to explore some international approaches and also really to determine how we can use all of these learnings to shape our next generation networks, including 6G. To reflect on what was undoubtedly a successful and fascinating event, we've invited some of the key speakers and panelists to join us, share a bit about their perspectives on the current telecoms landscape the importance of international collaboration, and the latest developments on open and interoperable networks. To start, here's our keynote speaker. I am delighted to be joined by Sir John Whittingdale, who is the Conservative MP for Malden and currently holds the government post of Minister of State at DSIT for Data and Digital Infrastructure and Minister of State at DCMS as well. So welcome, Minister. We are really delighted to speak with you today on our Tech UK podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us. And um, really, this conversation is a reflection of last month's International Telecoms Conference that your department convened. And uh, could you just give us a recap of some of those kind of key announcements uh, that you shared with the attendees on the day? Sure. Uh, well, Sophie, thank you very much for inviting me to join you. Um, and as you rightly say, I'm, I'm uh, holding this brief, which is not unfamiliar territory because I've been uh, working in this area previously, but I was very pleased to be able to attend the International Telecoms Conference, which was part of Tech uh, London Tech Week, as you know, um, and there were a whole host of announcements made during the course of that week, but I made three specifically uh, about telecoms at the conference. Um, the first uh, was to do with our project Gigabit, which is all about trying to extend um, broadband coverage to the harder to reach areas. But there are some parts which are so far that even Project Gigabit doesn't get that. Um, and so we announced that uh, in relation to a remote part of Scotland uh, called Papastur, which is an island uh, with only actually a, a handful of uh, inhabitants, but nevertheless, our pledge is that we will get gigabit everywhere. So we are um, deploying low Earth orbit satellite uh, to uh, deliver uh, fast broadband uh, by OneWeb. Um, and that is part of the trials that we're undertaking. So um, in, the, in the furthest parts of the UK, it may well be that satellite is the best way of delivering gigabit. And so this was one of the first deployments. Um, and actually, we're looking also at deploying in uh, another island called Lundy. Um, so uh, that was that was quite an important um, announcement in terms of showing our determination uh, to reach every part of the UK, no matter how how distant and how remote. 
Um, so that was one announcement. Um, the second was all about um, making available smart technology uh, by taking advantage actually of, um, for instance, lampposts in local authority areas. So you know they're already uh, in place, but this is to allow us to use that for the installation of smart infrastructure, uh, which will dramatically, we hope, improve uh, connectivity, public Wi-Fi, potentially electric vehicle charging. So you're delivering a lot of these tech services through the uh, existing infrastructure. So that's the Smart Infrastructure Pilots Program. And then the third announcement was all about global cooperation, which is obviously a key part of what we're trying to achieve. Um, and this was a memorandum of understanding, which we've signed with Australia on telecoms diversification. Um, even though Australia is a long way away, we share values, we have common objectives, and we agreed uh, to work together, particularly on diversification uh, in the telecoms field. So, so three completely different, but all quite important announcements. Absolutely, yeah, very kind of important and also quite a motivating set of interventions and actions um, by, by DSIT. So, so Minister, why do you think it's, it's so important to take this ambitious approach when it comes to telecoms policy? Well, telecoms is one of the sort of key areas for uh, future scientific and technological uh, development. We've, we've set it as, as one of the key priorities alongside things like artificial intelligence, quantum computing, semiconductors, life sciences. Um, but it is absolutely vital because to some extent, a lot of those others depend on telecoms. Uh, telecoms is both at the forefront of technology. It allows you to develop these other um, advances, but also it is of huge importance to everybody in the country in terms of their everyday lives. And, and more and more people rely upon telecoms for all sorts of things, communication, for entertainment, for shopping, uh, for researching. Um, and it, it's becoming harder and harder to imagine how one can get by without uh, telecoms. And therefore, the ambition of the government, which is to uh, ensure that everybody has access to uh, certainly broadband, you know, we've set a target of um, uh, uh, universal coverage by 2030 uh, mm. with the gigabit, and then we're also investing in expansion of mobile. Um, that is something which, you know, when I talk to my colleagues in Parliament, they yeah. are very keen to pursue because, of course, every one of their constituents wants to have that access. Yeah, absolutely. That's 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 really great to hear. And um, just touching on the the MOU with Australia, and and you touched on London Tech Week and a number of other announcements this summer, including the UK becoming the first country in the world to be granted associate status in the Global Cross Border Privacy Rules Forum, and of course the Atlantic Declaration with the US. So how important would you say it is for the UK to collaborate with these like-minded partners internationally? And, and can we expect any further announcements on, on telecoms and also diversification? Um, I mean, I think it's absolutely vital. Um, diversification clearly 
uh, is something which a number of countries are seeking to achieve. Uh, you know, we all face similar challenges, and particularly those with whom we share common values are our closest allies. Uh, you know, there has been a, an agreement, and Australia absolutely falls into that category. But I mean, I think in this area, global cooperation is absolutely essential, um, and we are pursuing that through a number of different. Uh, fora uh, and groupings, you know, going right back to things like the uh, agreement in the G7 to uh, take forward um, AI. So we've got the AI uh, conference taking place later in the year. Um, as you've rightly identified, uh, the UK has just become the first country to get the associate status on global cross-border privacy rules. Uh, yeah. We're in the process, we've already announced the commitment in principle uh, to establish the data bridge with the United States. So, I mean, I think you'll, you'll see closer cooperation, particularly around that grouping of countries, which we feel hmm. are very much uh, sharing our own ambitions and also our values. Fantastic. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Minister. And, and just finally, um, I think you can agree there was a kind of great feeling of optimism and positivity at the International Telecoms Conference. Um, so can I ask you, you know, what are you most excited about for, for the UK telecom sector in, in the coming months and years? Well, I mean, I think it's it's the combination of things that we, we've touched on. Obviously, yeah. our ambition is to be a world leader in this field. We've set out that ambition. And so we're looking at, you know, some of the cutting edge technologies development being developed. So, you know, our ambition is to extend uh, 5G across the country. But equally, you know, we're already now looking at 6G, the benefits mm -hmm. that that might bring. And we're putting in 100 million pounds into researching into the 6G strategy. So there is a lot happening at the far you know, edge of uh, cutting edge science. Uh, but at the same time, we are trying to deliver universality so uh, that it isn't just a few people who benefit from this, but we can all, you know, everybody in the country uh, can reap the benefits of technology. And to do that does mean universal broadband, it need, means uh, mobile connectivity. But, you know, we have set a very ambitious target. If you consider that 2019, which is only, what, three and a half years ago, 6% of the UK had access to gigabit broadband. Today, yes. it's 75%. I mean, that is an astonishing achievement. Now, the difficulty is that, you know, the further you advance, the harder it gets, because you're talking about communities, households that are harder to reach. So, But we have said we are absolutely determined to get to 85% by uh, 2025, uh, and then nationwide coverage by 2030. And that, that's the ambition of Project Gigabit. So it, it's the combination of making the UK one of the leading nations in the world in technological development, but also yeah. ensuring that everybody living here sees the benefits of that. Fantastic. Great. Well, we'll end it there. Thank you so much again for joining the Take Care podcast. Uh, Sean Whittingdale, great to speak to you. Thanks a lot. Great to hear from the Minister there. And now to the other side of the pond, to hear from NCIA in the United States. I'm delighted to welcome to the Take UK podcast, Brian Larkin from the National Telecommunications and Information Administration at the United States Department of Commerce. Uh, welcome, Brian. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's a real pleasure to see you. And firstly, just to kick off, please may you tell us a little bit about you, your role and your organisation? 
Thanks for having me, Sophie. It's great to be on the podcast and to see you again. So as you mentioned, I'm Brian Larkin from the United States' National Telecommunications and Information Administration, or NTIA. And we're the U.S. government agency that serves as the president's principal advisor on telecommunications and information policy. As you also mentioned, we're housed within the Department of Commerce here in Washington, D.C. And as NTIA's team lead for international 5G engagement, I work to coordinate our outreach to the global community on that issue set, including outreach to other governments, to industry, and to various other relevant stakeholders. We're working to build wider awareness, consensus, and concrete partnership on our shared telecoms priorities with like-minded governments around the world. The security and resilience of our telecoms networks, including through the presence of a more diverse group of trusted 5G infrastructure suppliers, is one of our top priorities in this respect. We view these as really foundational elements for the security and growth of the global digital ecosystem, which, as you know, is increasingly underpinning everyday life within our technology-enabled societies. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. And and as you know, this uh, episode of the Tech UK podcast is, is an opportunity for us to reflect on the International Telecoms Conference that took place in London uh, at Tech UK's office um, actually last month. Um, and then we were delighted to welcome you, of course. And and I'd be really interested to know for you, what were some of the, the kind of key themes and ideas that you enjoyed kind of hearing about and the discussions that you participated in? Absolutely, Sophie. Thank you again for the role tech you played in organizing a great conference. I really enjoyed participating in a panel on international telecoms collaboration with colleagues from the UK and Finland. Um, both during that session and really throughout the conference, I was pleased to hear agreement that telecoms policy efforts like NTIA's own engagement on 5G supplier diversity can't be pursued solely within national silos. The telecoms infrastructure market and its supply chains really are global, even if specific mm. networks and regulations are more country level. So policymakers that want to create a lasting impact within that marketplace have to think across borders. We need to coordinate and we need to learn from one another's experiences because otherwise we risk only producing niche or mostly localized results that may not even be sustainable into the long term. And to the extent our networks connect uh, or that personal or sensitive data moves between them, we really are stakeholders in the security and resilience of one another's telecoms infrastructure. Yeah, fantastic. And you've touched on that uh, kind of onto my next question, really. But I'm just so keen to understand more from, from you and from NTIA more, more broadly. How do you view the importance of international collaboration, you know, with countries like, like the UK and elsewhere? Absolutely. Um, let me focus on this question from the perspective of telecom supplier diversity and approaches that can enable it, like Open RAN. Um, there's a lot of exciting Open RAN innovation coming from companies in the UK, Japan, India, the US, and elsewhere. And the reality is that no single country's vendors are going to be able to go it alone in driving sustainable change to what are heavily consolidated and truly globalized markets. Nor should they, honestly, since a siloed approach would seem to close them off to great ideas coming from potential partners in other like-minded countries, and in some ways would also cut against the basic spirit of openness and interoperability that we're promoting on the technical front. And so just as our companies are already forming those strong open RAN partnerships, we think that governments in countries like the US, the UK, and others can have an impact that's more than just the sum of its parts if we also work to align our efforts. And that's why NTIA and our U.S. interagency partners have incorporated Open RAN into so many of our bilateral and multilateral conversations with other governments on telecoms issues. But I think that's especially important when it comes to countries like the U.K., one of our top international partners and another leader on telecom supplier diversity. 
because allies like us have the strongest opportunity to partner concretely, to minimize any unnecessary duplication of effort, and really to help drive progress into the long term on this priority. Yeah, fantastic. You put that so well. So, so thank you so much for that. And um, just thinking about some, you've touched on those policy priorities, but could you tell me a bit more about some of those priorities for you and the NCI, NCIA team right now and, and, and looking to the future as well? Absolutely. So NTIA's programs and our policymaking focus on a wide range of goals, like increasing high-speed internet access and adoption, expanding the use of spectrum by all users, and ensuring that the internet remains an engine for continued innovation and economic growth. Most of my daily focus is on advancing telecom supplier diversity and approaches that can enable it, such as Open RAN, uh, which is another of yeah. our top priorities and one that's directly in line with the U.S. national strategy to secure 5G. Perfect. Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, I, looking at what the NTIA is doing and, and the kind of ambition that you have, it's, it's really inspiring. So, so thank you for, for sharing some of those um, priorities with us. And could you tell us a bit more about the kind of activities underway or the programs that are helping you support um, those ambitions? Sure. Um, so together with our interagency colleagues, NTIA is really helping to drive U.S. engagement on telecom supplier diversity and open RAN, mm. both domestically and through our international outreach. So within the United States, we're pursuing numerous efforts, um, all reflecting our view that while industry stakeholders can and should continue leading progress on Open RAN, policymakers also have a strong role to play in fostering and enabling environments for their success. Um, in the U.S. context, this has included meaningful support for R&D, testbed-related initiatives, uh, and other programs mm -hmm. aimed at helping industry really deliver on the promise of open network architectures. In parallel, NTIA and our interagency colleagues also continue to drive a range of efforts to expand collaboration among global policymakers on telecom supplier diversity. So we've met directly with various governments to discuss ways to remove barriers for new entrants to the market and to incentivize investment in approaches like Open RAN. And we're also making these relationships more concrete uh, through bilateral and multilateral memoranda of cooperation. Um, which are now facilitating greater information sharing, joint international efforts, technical coordination, and other shared objectives. Amazing. So who, who are you keen to kind of cooperate and collaborate with or, or continue to uh, in the kind of international context? Right. So let me approach that from the perspective of our multilateral engagement, um, because we've sure. been very active in that space. Um, so we've actively contributed to exchange on open network architectures across many multilateral fora, and there we've sought either to raise awareness, to advance research and analysis, or to build consensus on common policy approaches. And we're committed to maintaining those engagements, though it's also true that existing fora often have their own established policy focuses or differing membership compositions, including governments that may not share all the same telecoms priorities as the US and the UK. So to answer your question then, we're enthusiastic about new or expanded cooperation in any fora where like-minded mm. governments are interested in partnering with us on priorities like telecom supplier diversity. But at the same time, on any newer issue set, the most tangible progress can often be driven by coalitions of governments that maybe more affirmatively opt into partnership with one another on those topics. So I personally think there's a major opportunity for like-minded governments like the US and the UK that know they wanna collaborate and to show leadership on approaches like Open RAN to simultaneously explore new, more flexible and perhaps more nimble multilateral arrangements for doing so. Fantastic. Well, it sounds like we've got lots to, to 
get stuck into for the next international telecoms conference, which I hope we, we can mm-hmm. see you at, Brian. But look, firstly, just for me to say a huge thank you both for coming to London to visit us and for sharing your thoughts today on the Take UK podcast. It's been a pleasure. It was my pleasure, Sophie, and I look forward to the next conference. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Finally, the industry view and where we are on open and interoperable networks. I'm delighted now to be joined on the Tech UK podcast by John Baker from Mavnir. Um, John, it's such a delight to, to welcome you to this episode. And um, just to kick off, are you okay to tell me a bit about you and your organization? Yeah. Hi, Sophie. Great to be with you. Um, my name is John Baker. I'm SVP of Business Development for Mavenir. Uh, we're headquartered in uh, Dallas, Texas, um, but have significant operations in the UK uh, based out of Reading. Uh, Mavenir is a, essentially a software company. Um, you know, We've been in the virtualization business essentially for the last 15 years, starting with 2G, 3G, and then you know, 4G, 5G. Um, really taking all that expertise into the Open RAN space. And so I've been leading the Open RAN initiative for Mavenir for the last uh, six years, actually. So it's getting on quite a time now, but uh, um, you know, really, really pushing the whole concept of open interfaces, interoperability, and uh, you know, a wider vendor ecosystem. So um, that's really where Mavenir is coming from. You know, it's just really making sure there's a level playing field for people to compete in the marketplace. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, so to the conference then, the International Telecoms Conference, um, we were really delighted that you could speak on the panel Open RAN from the lab to the field. And I'm really interested to, to hear your reflections on, on the main question of that panel, which is why is now the right time for Open RAN? Yeah, it's it's uh, you know, and it's a global you know discussion, as you know, for Open RAN, you know, in terms of finding further trusted uh, suppliers, and you know, to that extent, um, since you know the whole Open RAN, ORAN initiatives for open interface specifications have been been out there, you know, we've probably seen another five system suppliers now into the marketplace. So, so in that respect, you know, Open RAN, uh, in, in my eyes, has been a, a very much a success again against the um, introduction of new vendors into the ecosystem. I think where we're at now is really how do those new vendors start to scale into the marketplace as the networks transition from untrust, untrusted to trusted vendors and also you know play you know put different solutions to the current in you know trusted incumbents so you know the global market in and and, and you know and I always say the UK is sort of leading the way um, is very much in transition um, in in terms of how to consider you know bringing open interfaces and interoperability into the existing networks yeah fantastic so a really strong start and we're seeing some some great progression but I'm interested as well just to to touch on which the panel talked about some of the challenges um, that remain and and some of your ideas on how we might best overcome them as a as a sector, um, the UK uh, and organisations like Mavenir. Yeah, I think I think first off, I you know, and I always say, look, it's not a it's not a revolution; it's an evolution. Um, right. And to that extent, the you know networks are going to slowly transition the new vendors into their markets. Um, as you know, new frequencies come available. You know, network mm-hmm. upgrades 
go on, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, from a, from a new entrance perspective now, it's all about scaling. Um, you know, how do those companies scale to be competitive? Now, you know, in terms of comparison, this happened in the core of the network. Um, and over the last 10 years, um, companies like Mavenir have, you know, are now playing a significant role in the network and are being able to compete um, against incumbents, whether trusted or untrusted. Um, so, you know, the model works and, and, and really it's about opportunity. Um, and so, you know, obviously, you know, with the in initiatives that the UK government has taken in terms of, you know, coverage for open and interoperable networks um, against a given time period, you know, it's, it's the ability then for um, vendors like ourselves to compete in open RFIs, RFQs, et cetera, um, to, to, to put equipment there. Now, you know, we announced the VMO2, uh, opportunity in the last few weeks and uh, you, you know that's a significant uh, opportunity for Mavenir on the RAN side you know we, we did deploy some uh, open RAN equipment with uh, Vodafone back in two or three years ago actually so we were one of the very very first to put open RAN equipment out there and and, and to that extent you know it is truly interoperable it's multiple vendor um, so you know we really do prove it works and you know, so that's the challenge is really how do you how do you find these networks to scale and how do you take mm. opportunity, you know, how do you get the opportunities into your hands of, uh, you, you know, being a network supplier in, in the UK and other countries around the world? Yeah, that's that's really interesting. So it, in a sense, yeah, it's that was also a mindset shift in terms of finding those networks that want to sort of push the boundaries a little bit as well. Yeah, the, the, the challenge is that, you, you know, you, you get into the engineering organizations and, you know, to the extent of, well, why should I change? You know, that's sure. that's the biggest barrier against. And then um, on the procurement side, there's, you know, forward-based price contracts that are sitting mm -hmm. there that have got to expire before new vendors can come in. So, you know, there's, there's sort of multiple things, plus obviously the local country politics, but, you know, that said, I think, I think, you know, if you stand back and say, okay, well, look, you know, those things will eventually pass away. It's really all about uh, governments, countries, manufacturers look at the localization of technology and the localization of, uh, you know, this network supply. And, I, and, and you know, and I'd sadly say that, you know, the UK once upon a time was a real leader in this whole space and, you know, for whatever reason is is sort of now got sort of lagging behind. But I think the challenge that the UK's got and really sort of some of the things that are coming out of the whole uh, conference there over the last, over those two days was really, um, you know, how to, how to get commercial products out of the universities into the network suppliers. And I think yeah. you know, managing that whole ecosystem from, some of the project initiatives right the way through to the deployment is, you know, some of the challenges I think that the UK has, has, has really got. And uh, um, but but that said, you know, that I think the UK is doing all the right things in terms of funding things in the right places is just, you know, is really getting that end customer um, really willing to take those new uh, open round products into the marketplace. Yeah, fantastic. And and you've touched on the kind of local market characteristics. And I suppose, reflecting on the conference, you know, what, why do you think it's important that we come together and convene these international events, like the one that Tech UK and DCIT hosted? I mean, obviously, you've touched on Mavenir is headquartered in Dallas, Texas. So yeah, do, do, do you see that as an important coming together in a convening 
opportunity. Yeah, I, th I, th I think especially with, you know, the diversification of the ecosystem, I think, you know, yeah. the one thing we've got to remember is that the the only way the, the mobile marketplace will survive is through, you know, the maintenance of, of global specifications, you know, from a handset perspective, you know, at the end yeah. of the day, you know, the whole ecosystem needs the economy of handsets to to really drive the, the adoption by the end user. And if if any of the specification shifts start to take place from a localization perspective, you could break that apart. So, you, you know, it's important that countries stay together in terms of the 3GPP specifications and, mm. you know, ensuring that there's a global marketplace. And then, you know, that said as well, you know, you know there's no absolutely no reason why UK vendors can't compete in the, you know, in the global marketplace, you know, such as Mammon does, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's you know, we need to maintain a global marketplace. We need to, you know, maintain open specifications. And then, um, you know, as I said in the beginning, really, it's all about, you know, making sure you've got a level playing field for competition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, fantastic. It's so great to catch up with you, John. I think just finally, um, some thoughts uh, from you and from Mavenir on kind of what excites you about the telecom sector in, in the next year or so, hopefully ahead of our next international conference yeah <laughs> it's you know I, I gotta be honest the last three four years have pretty, probably been some of the most exciting you know i always say like show my age in the sense i've been been you know in the uk from the beginning of 2g right the way through sure. um but in reality you know this this turbulence if you like or the transition that's going on in the marketplace is allowing new vendors a new way of doing business and new technologies to come in place the fact that you can mm. you know can build a complete mobile network essentially in in software uh, apart from the radio is you know is a significant step forward and it's opening up the doors to really uh, you, you know turning radio networks into web networks and, and making them look like the web and uh, you, you know and all the models business models and delivery models that are associated with the web then start to come into play so um, you, you know I think to summarize we're in a we're in a, a world of transition um, you know exciting new ways of doing things and uh, I think we're going to continue to see that in the next couple of years going forward. Fantastic. That was so great. Thank you so much, John. It's been a pleasure to welcome you to the Take Care podcast right. today. Great, great. Thanks for the opportunity. So it's not a revolution, it's an evolution. There we have the industry view and big thanks to Mavenir and John for reflecting on the International Telecoms Conference in partnership with DSIT. And a huge thanks to you, our listeners. See you next time. <laughs>